Hey everyone, welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right, my friends, back at it again. Welcome to another episode. I'm so happy that you're here. If you're new to the show, episodes drop every Wednesday. And I'm sending you so much love wherever you are in the world. Oh my goodness, you guys. Well, I'm recording this at uh, 11 p.m. my time, uh, Tuesday evening, the night before the drop. It has been one of the busiest days I've literally ever had. It's been a lesson in time batching, uh, you know, and prioritizing making enough space for ourselves during the day and really honoring our needs, our need for rest. At the same time, though, all of my activities of this day were surrounding mentorship clients, uh, deep dives, meetings with my assistant, meeting with my business coach as well. And I've been so happy today. You know, a day like this in the past might have caused me burnout or might have really stressed out my nervous system. But, um, I was just really rooted in gratitude today. And my intention as I woke up this morning was let's have some fun, you know, and reminding myself that this is exactly what I manifested. And even though my scheduling might not be perfect quite yet, it is what I manifested. I asked for this. I asked for a day filled with, you know, soulmate clients, with business coaches, with an assistant, with help, with podcasting, with deep conversations, surrounded by amazing community. And that's what I got. So <laughs> it's just, I guess, a reminder to you all if you're listening and you're feeling even potentially overwhelmed, just to root into that sense of gratitude because that carried me through today, which was one of the most intense days I've had in a while. And to be grateful changed everything. So a lot of what I've been talking about with my community as well, one more little note here is that we have uh, Mars and Jupiter, I believe in Aries. So a huge theme that we've been exploring together as a community has been that of the warrior archetype and what it means to embody strength and the warrior. What does it mean to you to be strong? What does it mean for you to be a warrior? And of course, not in a violent way or aggressive way at all, but what does it mean to you to stand strong, stand strong in your power as you face obstacles, as you face change. When we think of a warrior, even in cartoons or in movies that we're familiar with, the warrior is deeply grounded, deeply rooted to the earth. Their posture is strong. Their shoulders are back. Their eyes are wide open. Their hearts are open. Their chest is open and they're facing whatever is coming to them, uh, with knowing that they're prepared for whatever comes and whatever comes, they're like surrendering to it, accepting it and taking it head on. So that's just an interesting theme to explore. And the archetype of the mother, the archetype of the mother and nurturing ourselves, nourishing ourselves, taking care of ourselves, noticing where we are being so generous with our love, our energy and how we can give that same beautiful energy back to ourselves and really creating the space for nourishment and honoring our needs. Something that's been coming up a lot with my clients recently has been the willingness to experience emotion 
and noticing where we have repressed our emotion in the past. If we've been taught that our emotions are shameful or bad or wrong and rewriting that narrative, rewriting that story. And that also ties everything together because it's like the warrior can be vulnerable. Part of the strength of a warrior is that surrender, is that release. And again, with the mother, with that whole theme of nourishing ourselves and mothering ourselves, that has so much to do with emotional release and holding that sacred space for yourself. All right. So those are some themes that we're working through. I know this is fiery energy, so... I'm excited for our season ahead. This fiery energy is also very like potent and uh, exciting. It's kind of sensual, even sexual, even it's like very heated, very fiery. Um, and even that, you know, sensual energy can be translated into heavy, not heavy and dense way, but like really intense, like creative energy. So what is sparking your internal flame right now? What projects are calling you? What communities, what partnerships are calling you forth to expand and grow? So yeah. Okay. Let's get into today's episode because I was just listening this back uh, to this back and laughing so hard because we've got like such a fun conversation for you today. We've got one of my dear friends on the show, Hannah Losfran. I'm obsessed with her. I met her a few months ago and immediately loved her so deeply. She has become not only a soul sister to me, um, a huge teacher for me in so many ways. I so deeply admire the way that she navigates her life and is always paying attention to her nervous system and how she's feeling. And she flows through life in a way that is so refreshing. She's not on the hamster wheel like most people are. She is, she is surrendering to life in most every moment. And I've already learned so much from her and I've only known her for a few months, but I felt that instant connection with her. And I'm just so grateful that she's here and that you get to hear us sitting together. And uh, I love these moments when I actually get to sit down with somebody and have such a deep conversation and just hang out and record the hangout. You know what I mean? So I'll tell you a bit about Hannah and you'll learn about her as we get into this conversation, but she is an integrative wellness expert. She's a holistic nutritionist and health coach. She is a chef. She cooks the most amazing, beautiful food, and she's a Qigong instructor. So enjoy this conversation. I'm just going to let it flow right into this one because you're going to have a blast listening. We, <laughs> we get into some wild and funny topics and we just have so much fun. You can probably tell I'm already at the end of my uh, evening here and I'm giggly and I'm ready to go to bed. But um, anyways, if you're listening on this Wednesday morning, uh, sending you so much love. Thank you so much for being here. If there is a buddy that you feel like might benefit from this information, from this conversation, please do send it along. Follow us on Instagram, hit us up, let us know what you're learning. Hannah is at H-A-N-N-A Nicole.Q on Instagram. And I'm at Helen Denham underscore. So love you. Talk to you on the flip side. So the first question I love to ask us is how do you like to start your days off? Do you have any rising routines or rituals that you go to in the morning? <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I go outside. I think first thing that I would say is um, don't touch the phone. Don't, don't go towards any screens or technologies. Sometimes take a sip of water, but certainly one of my first moves is to go outside. 
I have a little stretching routine for my spine that I do on the side of the bed before I even stand up. Mm. And so I guess the, the majority of my morning routine has a lot of spaciousness in it. And there are these, there are these intentional pauses that are sort of scattered throughout the morning. And I think that that's a really sweet way for me to come into the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, getting outside first thing and letting my eyes adjust to the natural light and getting my feet on the ground and breathing in some fresh air and letting my skin um, sense and feel into the temperature of the day, mm. which can often be different from the temperature of the house. And uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a really sweet way for me to orient myself towards the natural elements of the day mm-hmm. as opposed to the contained elements of the house. Uh, it wakes up my systems. It turns on the brain. It turns on the the some of the circulatory and magnetic systems in my body. And it's, that's part of my morning routine. Mm-hmm. Also, my morning routine is can be rather extensive. <laughs> yeah, it can it can be depending on what's happening that day. The morning routine could be twenty minutes before I need to be out the door, or if I have a a luxurious morning. The, the routine can extend anywhere into the better part of three hours. R- routine of just tending myself in the morning and throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year, it will change depending on what my body wants and what the season calls for and mm-hmm. how long it takes my bones to warm up depending on the season. I mean, right now we're in Topanga Canyon and so we have the we have the uh, seasonal situation of warmth most of the year, but I come here from Washington and certainly I find my morning routine in Washington can be longer because it takes some time for my bones to warm in the chill of the winter there. Yeah. I'm so tempted to just jump in because I know that your routine is like beautiful and sacred and there are things in your morning routine that I look at with so much like admiration and inspiration Mm -hmm. and you've gotten me to completely change the way that I rise. Um, And, you know, I was doing, you know, my journaling, my walk in the morning, but I really had issues with like going to sleep at at an appropriate time that my body really loves. And you really helped me to understand why it's so important to get like sleep hygiene down. Mm -hmm. And that like the night before is also kind of part of the rising ritual, right? So can you like tell them and all of us like what you kind of helped me guide through as well and why sleep hygiene and seeking up our circadian rhythm is so important? Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Because we are natural beings and we're not separate from the natural rhythms of life is a simple answer. And Mm -hmm. what we walked you through was essentially limiting screen time and exposure to blue light past the sun going down. So the sun, as it moves through its cascade across the sky, it moves through different levels of atmospheric, uh, I would say densities, in which filters the light that we're exposed to. And so we know this, that in the morning we get a certain amount of UV exposure and as it gets to the height of the day, that UV exposure will change. And as the sun begins to set and gets closer to the horizon and that density forms again in the atmosphere, we tend to get a little more red and a little more purple light and a little more that blue and green light is exposed to the UV in the middle of the day. And so it's important to our, it's important to, It's important to our pineal gland and it's important to our circadian rhythm in connection to our pineal gland that our eyes get exposed to both the rising sun 
and both the settings, the setting and the rising sun without the interference of blue light, specifically what that orientation could look like and what we set a situation up for you to look like is that once the sun goes down, you avoid looking at any screens or blue light after that. Mm -hmm. Why? When your eyes are exposed to the rising sun in the morning, that particular blend of light that goes into the eyes connects directly back into the pineal gland and cues it to produce naturally occurring melatonin. It creates melatonin inside of the pineal gland. This master gland that lives in our skull and most people are familiar with the pineal gland and there are some ideas that originally the pineal gland was more frontal for us, almost as our third eye. And over thousands of years, it has progressed into the back of our skull. And it is the, it is the master gland of our body. And um, some people would believe this is our intuitive gland, but just strictly speaking, as far as what it produces biochemically in our body, many important things helping regulate our hormones. And one thing that it does is it produces melatonin in our system. And so we see the rising sun, melatonin gets created in the pineal gland and the pineal gland holds it for us all day, just waiting for that moment where we get to watch the sun set. And as soon as we watch the sun set and we're exposed to that similar blend of light ray from the rising sun, it cues our pineal gland to then release the melatonin. Mm. It releases the melatonin into our system and we naturally cascade down into our parasympathetic nervous system turn on and into our rest and digest and we start to get sleepy and ready for bed. It's a perfect blend. It turns on our digestive systems and it helps us get into that 10, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. mode in which our body does a full reset, a full replenishment of the organs, the major systems, our blood, our brain, everything gets, um, gets a gets a, a once over when we sleep mm -hmm. and it's a way for our whole system to reset and orient for the next day. And we ideally need to be asleep during the, I mean, we do need to be asleep during the 10 p.m. and the 2 a.m. for that to function. The melatonin is a part of helping that come to be. Mm -hmm. If we are exposed to blue light after the sun goes down, we pick up our phone, if we pull open the computer and we start doing a little late night work, if we watch a movie on the screen, what happens is when the blue light comes into our eyes and the pineal gland wall will halt on the release of melatonin and will lose that melatonin release into our system. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people experience restlessness at night, busy mental chatter. There are many many people who experience varying degrees of insomnia and restlessness throughout the night and they're just in general not getting very deep sleep. And um, I think this can be due to many things, having a busy mind and um, being exposed to blue light in the evenings and um, certainly it's generally a combination of many things. But something, but something that we know is that when we're exposed to blue light, it does turn our stress response on in our body most times. And so we're getting a cortisol release and it's, it's stimulating our brain and our body as though it's the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. And it's not. And so our body starts to think, oh, I'm seeing blue light. It's the middle of the day. That's like an amp up time. And it confuses our system. It throws off our circadian rhythm and our mind is running at night and we feel energized but tired. It's a confusing state for our body to be in. Mm -hmm. And we try to figure out a way to go to sleep in that state. And it's, 
it's, um, it's not easy and it doesn't create a solid night's sleep and it doesn't really set us up for that full repair overnight while we sleep um, to get that reset each day, which is very crucial to our health. Mm -hmm. So um, the key things that we did with you were once the sun goes down, no exposure to blue light, like keep the phone away. If you are going to watch a movie or get on your computer, make sure you have iris or some sort of red light functionality programmed into your computer to block the blue light and to only allow the red light to come through. Or there are some blue light blocking glasses that um, I think are, are functional and helpful. And I think most of them are not strong enough and um, are tending a little more towards the fashion side of things and less towards the functional side of things, yeah. but they are out there. They are out there. Um, and then once going to sleep and ideally trying to get to bed relatively close to the 10 o'clock hour so that you can get the full experience of that 10 to two um, recoup of your system. And ideally you're in a deep sleep during that time so your body can run those mechanisms and then you know, getting some good rest through the rest of the night. And when you wake in the morning, important to sandwich or to bookend this whole experience by first thing going outside, getting your bare feet on the ground, Mm -hmm. um, and getting your eyes on the, either the rising sun or at least the rising light of the day mm -hmm. so that your, your circadian rhythm can start to, um, can start to be in regular relationship with the rising and the setting sun as our bodies are designed to be in, in, in a rising and setting relationship with the sun. Mm -hmm. We rise with the sun, we set with the sun. We yeah. rise with the sun, we set with the sun. This is our circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so when we bring in false light or as um, I think his name is Jack Cruz, Dr. Jack Cruz calls it, he calls it the alien light, this alien blue light, yeah. just throws our system. We're not sure what to do with that. Why is, the, why is the midday sun showing up at midnight all of a sudden? Yeah. It throws our whole system off. And so really important to just uh, keep our body um, connected to appropriate light, like the true light, the true light of the day and the night mm -hmm. so that the rest of our mechanisms that are designed to work around that can function appropriately. And we can get the proper rest that we need at night in order to have high functioning adrenal glands and organs and healthy blood flow and um, a healthy restful and um, capable brain for dealing with stress and mm -hmm. things like that. Totally. I mean, just having implemented this with your guidance over the last two weeks has just completely changed my life in subtle ways that I really didn't expect either. I mean, even I'm thinking about you saying, you know, getting your body regulated to the temperature of the outside in relation to the house, because mm -hmm. there's something really special about getting up with a cold morning and mm -hmm. then letting your body like heat up with the day in the mm -hmm. sun mm -hmm. that I think we all know that feeling of like getting up early in the morning and having that is so mm -hmm. special and mm -hmm. something that I was truly not very familiar with in long ex experiments of time because I mean we're I'm going through kind of a dramatic shift right now like my typical bedtime being 2 a.m. right like and getting up closer to 9 30 10 right and now I'm I'm good if I'm going, like, we're working backwards here, but yeah. now I'm going to bed like 1130 midnight, yeah. getting up at Huge. 8 a.m. Huge. And it's Huge. making such a big difference. Yeah. And I'm just feeling, like, even my eyes were dry in the morning when I woke up because I was looking at that blue light. Like, mm. I'm at the point now where if I open my computer late at night, like, it's it hurts. It, yes. it really, like, hurts. And mm. I'm definitely not watching 
television or like movies or documentaries anymore at the end of the day like I normally like would I would usually close out my day like that but I'm like all right I need to be kind of going to sleep at around 11 right now mm -hmm. and it's like really taking down my media habits in a lot of ways too mm -hmm. so you have to kind of like structure your day in in almost a very intentionally like healthy way and that's just something I didn't expect I'd be letting go of mm -hmm. but I haven't been watching nearly as much uh, content so yeah yeah it's just amazing a random question too. Um, I wanted to ask you about supplements. What do you think about supplements? Do you do you take supplements? Because yeah. you're also like an amazing chef, and food is like healing and medicine and what you like teach us. So, mm -hmm. what do you think about supplements? That just came into my mind. Yeah, I th I think that they have a necessary place. Mm -hmm. um, in some ways, I I you know I I teach food based healing, and I, I really encourage that that is the first place that we go to to look for our nourishment and our medicine there's you know food is medicine food can be medicine certainly um there's not really a food switzerland you know food yeah. is either healing for your body or it's not mm -hmm. and there there is there is the uh there is the the reality that um the quality of our soils has been significantly damaged over the last you know 100 or more years and a lot of that has to do with glyphosate and a lot of spraying into the soils and a lot of stripping the soils through these uh, large um, systems of farming and uh, essentially like scraping the nutrients out of the soil mm -hmm. over many, 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 many years. And um, we, we are experiencing a deficit of nutritional value in our food because of that. Mm -hmm. um, that's a, a big reason for that. And so, um, you know, maybe some many years ago when we could eat a couple of oranges and get a significant amount of vitamin C or uh, something like that. that's sort of a very easy to chew on example, I think. Yeah. Um, whereas now it'd be like 30 oranges maybe to get wow. the same. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not always the case with every food and it depends on the soil and where it's grown mm -hmm. and in it, 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 many factors. But that's, that's sort of a brash example to give you an idea of how um, how we're working currently we're working with this situation where most of the food that most people have access to is significantly deficient in nutrition mm. and therefore our systems our bodies become deficient in nutrition and so people who even eat cleanly feel like they're a little deficient not quite getting the the not quite getting the um, amount of nourishment that they need, the amount of vitamins, the amount of minerals, et cetera, mm -hmm. um, they go towards supplements. Supplements are, um, can be a really useful way to easily bump the amount of nutritional value up. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very important to be um, choosy, mm -hmm. mindful with supplements and attempt to get your supplements food-based as often as possible. Um, there are a few companies that I stick with that I really trust um, who have some really awesome formulas and ways of processing whole foods and um, breaking them into supplemental form for our easy digestion and, um, and also for the uh, assimilation of the vitamin or the nutrient itself. The reason why it's so great to get our nourishment from food, especially vitamins, we'll, we'll stick to the example of the orange, mm -hmm. 
An orange is rich in vitamin C, yes, but an orange is also rich in a plentitude of coenzymes and nutrients that actually are there to help your body in the absorption of the vitamin C to begin mm. with. A lot of supplements is like sticking a needle in an orange and just extracting the vitamin C and then putting that in a supplement and giving it to you straight without all the coenzymes and nutrients around it to help your body digest and actually receive the vitamin C. And so this idea that we like pee our vitamins out, it's true mm -hmm. to some degree, certainly, especially when we're getting isolates and things like that, um, where they're, they're not coming from food source and they're not being blended with a variety of coenzymes and nutrients to help your body become, uh, assimilate the, the, the medicine, essentially help it become bioavailable again. I'm just having this moment, Hannah, <laughs> I have to ask you about this. Yeah. You know, um, urotherapy. What do you think about your, have you ever heard of this? Urotherapy? People drinking their pee. Oh, yes, I have heard of this. I've done it. So have I. <laughs> what do you think of it? <laughs> this is a fun moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, when I told my mom and my sister, they were like, Helen, we need to have a talk. And I was like, you guys, I'm living in Topanga, and you're not, so you don't get it. Uh, but wait, did, oh do you think God. there's any merit in there? Because we are literally peeing on our vitamins. I did this probably five years ago. I didn't notice a huge difference in whatever, but um, what do you think about that? Yeah, interesting. It's, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting idea. The concept being like your, when your body is in a state of cleanliness, like when you're really clean and you're drinking a lot of water, you, you know, you don't go out for a rager and drink a bunch of wine and then the next morning drink your urine. That would be Oh, uh, something an experience to remember and forget. Um, but ideally, the idea is that your system is clean and you're drinking a lot of water. And then when you do go to drink your urine, the concept, as I understood it, was that your body is um, it, you you are your own ideal alchemist essentially. So you're making yourself like a perfect alchemical cocktail for all the nutrients that you need. Counter arguments to it are if that's a cocktail we really need why would we be peeing it out? Like, uh -huh. isn't that part of how we flush things from our body that we don't need? And anyway, this is a fascinating thing. I yeah. love to experiment. And so I did experiment with this. I was actually in Italy at the time. Uh -huh. I was visiting my friend there and we were doing a little work and um, she and I started chewing on this idea. And uh, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this a try, I'm gonna give this a try. Mm -hmm. And so we did it for almost a month. Really? Almost did you month. notice anything different or? Yes, I mean, definitely. I mean, <laughs> number one, you, yeah. I mean, what did I experience? Did you feel better? I felt, I had more energy because it's kind of like fasting. I mean, we were doing a little, we were doing a little eating here and, here and there, smoothies and keeping it really light, mostly vegetables, steamed veggies, things like that, drinking um, a little bit of water to begin with, but at some point you're, you're peeing so often and it's so clear mm -hmm. and I mean essentially you're just what feels like what feels and tastes like you're peeing out just water yeah and so you're just constantly drinking like water, water. Yeah, yeah and so you're the experience was like I feel very hydrated and my energy is up and I'm sleeping well and I did notice that my eyes cleared up hmm. quite a bit mm -hmm. and so that was like one of the main one of the main things I pulled away from that yeah why do you ask about that because you what did you say you said something about supplements and vitamins oh, and yeah, peeing out vitamins, vitamins and I was vitamins. like oh my god we have a moment here to talk about people <laughs> well, listening you know, are going to be like what, what are you is happening um, what the fuck why are, are you doing this <laughs> 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 uh, another thing that reminds me of it there are certain animals I there's a there's a term for it where they they um, they eat their they eat Poopy? their 
poopy. <laughs> Thank you for keeping it PG for all the kids out there. Uh, yeah. So rabbits are an example. Rabbits oh, yeah. poop and then they eat you their poop. That with and my childhood bunnies. Like, totally. Okay. And it's a way for them to to uh -huh. have a second go at absorbing the nutrients from their food. So there is some rationale behind that yes. in the natural world. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, it makes sense. Because it's absolutely. like a you know, a traditional like Indian or Hindu, maybe I'm wrong about this, but it, it's, it's kind of like a maybe Ayurvedic uh, system that's just not in the Western world so much. The uh, drinking your urine? Drinking your urine, right? Oh, Isn't therapy therapy based, based in like in Ayurveda? Um, or something. Huh. I, have, I have not heard, personally made that. Yeah. yeah, we should fact that, should yeah. check that. Yeah. I have no totally. idea. <laughs> that's just sparking my memory of when yeah. I first researched it. But. Yeah. Okay, anyways, we can switch topics. We can <laughs> 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 well, the other thing you've been really helping me with too, is I was telling you, like, I want to be making smoothies and eating more leafy greens. Yeah. I don't have enough of that in my diet. And yeah. I made a spinach smoothie the other day and I was like, Hannah, my stomach like is not feeling good. Mm. And you were like, well, let's take a look at how you're getting your greens. And you know, it yeah. was in plastic packaging. I had spinach coming in plastic packaging and yeah. just like, and you had made a beautiful salad the other day that was like, from the farmer's market, yeah. organic, and I didn't have any adverse reaction to that. And you were like, what did you say? You were, you really helped me like try to reframe how yeah. we're getting our food. Yeah. And I'd have that, I did have that thought earlier that day to talk about it, um, with you. Certainly something to consider and, 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 you know, all within the realm that like, we're all, we're, we're just working within our, our best guess at this point of like, why one salad upset you and another one did not. But mm -hmm. something to consider is like where, not so much like, yes, what we're eating, but also where we're getting what we're eating. And this kind of loops back to the deficiency in the soil. And this kind of broadens into a larger conversation about what kinds of foods um, we are choosing to perpetuate in the market of food. Like, we, our money goes to create sustainability in one direction or another, whether we're paying into big food, which is like another way of, I mean, big food is a certainly a way of addressing like, you know, we've heard big pharma, but like big food is like the food industries that create mm -hmm. the foods that are, in my opinion, causing disease. Yeah. And um, yeah. And, and when one is on a budget and they're wanting to eat well, certainly an easy move is to head to Trader Joe's and buy some prepackaged salads and it says organic on the bag and all these veggies have been pre-cut and um, the reality is is that these vegetables that have been cut from their life-giving source and then stuck in a bag have to be sprayed with something to keep them fresh and alive and living inside of an oxygenless bag mm. for an extended period of time because that has to get on a truck and that truck has to be taken over here and then that has to be unloaded over here and then there's shelf life and <clears throat> when <clears throat> if you had a, a garden in your backyard as most you know some people do <clears throat> you'll know that if you pull lettuce leaves off of your lettuce plant and you bring them inside and you stick them on the counter or you stick them in in your fridge that they will start to wilt within a few hours or mm. within a couple of days it doesn't take long um, so that's a really good example of like well if this is the natural uh, if this is the natural oxidation process of a plant what are they spraying on these vegetables to keep them from going through the natural oxidative state and i would just venture to say that you don't want to put that in your body mm -hmm. so 
the encouragement is support your local farmers, especially your organic farmers, especially your sustainable farmers. Um, you know, try to find a way to get your produce that's not pre-cut, cut it yourself. Um, try to find a way to get your produce that's organic. Like there are a couple things that are just an absolute, has to be organic, berries are one. Mm. Um, I think it's, the statistic may have changed, but last time I checked, I think it was an acre of corn gets, which, which is like living inside of a tough, many layered husk gets sprayed with, I think it was like, uh, I don't, I, I might get this wrong. We can fact check this like 25 pounds or maybe it's more an Just acre an of, pesticides. of pesticides, strawberries, which are like oh. little sponges, little delicate sponges. It's like 500 pounds per acre. My God. Yeah. So they're just like little poison berries. Don't put those in your body. Wow. Yeah. Poison berry. Yeah. These are things that like, I just feel like we need these kind of activations. Like you're explaining to really deeply understand what's happening because to me, I'm like grabbing salad off the shelf at Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or whatever. I'm like getting berries. I'm like, great. I'm eating healthy. Right. That's it. Totally. And then when you peel the layers back, it's like, okay, poison berry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And also, you were mentioned like freezing, freezing our food and freezing our fruit for smoothies and stuff too. It's like kind of killing the nutrients, right? Exactly. Well, I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, just one concept to think about is like you want to ideally, what you're alive right now, and everyone's talking about wanting to um, reverse aging, which is impossible. That can't actually be done, but mm-hmm. you know, that's sort of a, a, a coined token term that is floating around like wildfire right now, like yeah. anti-aging this and anti-aging that. And mm-hmm. essentially people are looking to experience aliveness, 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 they want more energy. They want to feel good in their body. They want to have energy for their kids and their work. And they want to do things that light them up and they want to feel pleasure and they want to be joyous and they want to have a vibrancy and aliveness in their existence. And that makes sense, that makes sense. Um, we can certainly feed our aliveness in many ways. And if you think about aliveness feeding aliveness, then it's a really simple concept to understand how that translates to food. Mm-hmm. You know, The more alive your food is, the more it will bring aliveness to your system. The more mm-hmm. dead your food is, what will that do for your body? Well, it won't bring in much aliveness. I'm not saying, this is not the moment where I pitch a fully raw diet to say yeah. only eat your food alive. No, actually I have a strong background in training in Chinese medicine and in most Chinese medicine theory, the idea to cook your food well is supportive to the digestive tract, easier to digest, better for the digestion. Digestion is happy, immune system functions well, the rest of the body systems functions well. Mm-hmm. We're doing a huge summation here. <laughs> raw, the more raw food theory is like eating in raw organic veggies, full of life, full of enzymes. The enzymes that are needed to clean up the dead cells in our body and to prep to prep the digestive process of these foods. And they're very fibrous, and they create a a, a fabric network of fiber in our small intestines to then help us digest slowly, seep out more nutrients better for our body, slows down the process of, you know, sugar going into our bloodstream, keeping our, our pancreas happy, et cetera, et cetera. So Mm -hmm. I think both are valid, very important, very important to eat living alive foods and 
eat raw, make sure it's organic. It's very important where you're getting your food and how it's being grown, really important. And simultaneously, there's, there's definitely a time and a place to be eating more cooked foods. And um, uh, certainly, I think that that has to do with the seasons and right. the temperature of where you're living and also whether you're in a healing process with your body or not, mm. and also the current state of your digestive process, like where your gut bacteria is and how strong your digestive fire currently is. And there can be a process in getting your digestive fire back to the capacity to be able to handle raw foods, mm -hmm. which is not in everyone's capacity at this point because a lot of people's guts have been destroyed by eating non-organic foods and being exposed to glyphosate and other toxic chemicals in our food and in the soil and things like that. So mm -hmm. um, we haven't been given a great running start, but mm -hmm. there are multitudes of ways in which we can um, take a stand for our nourishment and start to regenerate essentially the internal soil or the biome of our body and mm -hmm. start to eat more consciously and bring our aliveness. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that reframing of like anti-aging. It always like kind of triggers me to hear that mm. because it's like, what are we saying? Like mm -hmm. we're human beings. Mm -hmm. um, so I love the reframing into aliveness. And, you know, too, I'm curious about how, when you're bringing people into the container of working with you in this healing process with you, mm -hmm. how is our emotional well-being and our, you know, emotional self connected to nutrition and just how does this all tie together for you? And how do you perceive this like holistic healing process that we're constantly kind of going through? Mm -hmm. How do they tie together? I would yeah. say entirely. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 How do you see like somebody's nutrition reflecting their emotional state, for example. Hmm. Hmm. Someone's <laughs> nutrition reflecting their emotional state. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's like a, it's a, it's a circle. Mm -hmm. And those two things affect one another. And um, I find that that circle turned on the side is, or, is either a downward spiral or as an upward spiral. Mm -hmm. And um, someone who I deeply love and respect and appreciate for all the work that she did before she passed on to other realms um, is Louise Hay. Mm -hmm. Louise Hay. And I think you mentioned her book just recently. Oh, yeah. I just finished her it. audiobook. You yeah. can heal your life. She's yeah. like the OG. This she is one, is she's OG. like the base level. Yeah. So once I read her book, I was just like, Okay, so everyone just like based their teachings off of Louise Hay, including myself. Mm -hmm. Like I bring all of her teachings into my coaching as totally. well. It's amazing. Yeah. So anyways. Yeah. She, I remember when, I, I remember when I was, gosh, 18, I have, I happened upon her book. I think it's like change your thought, change your feelings, change your life, something like that. It's this little blue book. So like mm. this tiny little flip through really thin and essentially it's like a boiled down version of some of her um, um how she's how she structures out ways in which you can heal your body through the emotional system and affirmations for those of you who are not familiar with louise hay an example is um if you are experiencing well i'll give the example that i was experiencing which is i was having recurring utis mm. And um, I thank you to my incredibly intelligent and beautiful mother. I had the wherewithal to think that this could be beyond just a physical 
response to a bacteria or something like that, but perhaps deeper, maybe a little more emotional. And I picked up this Louise Hay book and I flipped through and I found the, um, the topic of urinary tract infections. And so what Louise Hay would do is she would pick, you know, so you would get something like urinary tract infection or ear infection or even broken leg or dislocated shoulder, everything from like irritable bowel syndrome to cancer the whole gambit, basically pretty much any and all disturbance, illness, or uh, disease, disease in mm -hmm. the body. She would list out, and then next to that, she would present um, a thought, an idea of what were some of the um, underlying emotional traumas or thoughts that could be the precursor to having these physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so for urinary tract infections, it was like, uh, uh, let's see if I can remember, <laughs> something to do with like um, safety with men and um, like a break in the father figure mm -hmm. kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And anger, I think was in there too. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. that seems accurate. Uh, right. <laughs> and then next to that, she will write an affirmation. Mm -hmm. um, we cast spells with our words certainly and so there there was always there was always a sentence or two or three even um, that one could repeat and the idea was that she was giving you these words that were going to change the way you felt mm -hmm. and then change the way that your body literally biophysically oriented itself around a new belief around a new emotional track so that you weren't running like an old emotional track that was like causing these physical ailments. And mm -hmm. um, it's brilliant. All of that is to say, I think um, our emotions and our physio physiology are- Inextricably are, linked. Totally. Yeah, completely woven together. Completely yeah. woven together. I think that's what I was getting at too, which you explained so beautifully. That's really what it is. It's like, how does our body reflect our emotions? Mm -hmm. And how does our eating, you know, affect our emotions and vice versa, I guess, mm -hmm. because I'm just, you know, pinging myself with like, when I'm stressed, mm -hmm. I automatically go toward like either chips or like sugar or mm -hmm. something. And on the theme of aliveness, it's like, when I'm stressed, I, on the base level, it's like a resistance to being alive because it's hard to be alive when I'm stressed. Mm -hmm. So let's eat food. That's going to kind of numb that and match. It's matching like this deadness mm. in a way. Yeah. It's like when I'm feeling better about my life, mm -hmm. I'm going toward healthier food. So mm -hmm. just, you know, sparse something. It's like, okay, there's a, there's definitely a link between eating foods that don't feel good when I'm stressed and not feeling good. Yeah. It's like, like attracting like in a way. Emotional eating, very common, especially when we're stressed and when we think about what stress is doing to the body, it's like we, we're seeking comfort. You know, we're in a state of being stressed and cortisol is being released into our bodies and we want to relieve this experience. And we have this emotional connection to food being pleasurable or comforting, especially, especially foods that are um, literally chemically engineered to hit the pleasure points yeah. and then require you to chomp them again and again. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, we could be putting science towards all kinds of other things, but there you go. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there are there are ways there are ways in which um, we have somehow jumped ship from what I think a lot of other cultures still hang on to, which is their relationship to pleasure intertwined with their relationship to food, and we have that here in in America as well, except we've sort of short circuited it <clears throat> a little bit versus like in Italy 
you know, meals are a full occasion. It's a sit down experience. Mm -hmm. it, there's time to sit and relax and feel pleasure and eat with pleasure and enjoy the process. And it, and it brings, it brings a chemical response that fills our body with, um, if there were ever an anti-aging drug, <laughs> it would certainly be um, a chemical response that comes mm -hmm. from slowing down and enjoying the pleasure of eating healthy, nutritious food. Mm -hmm. So this feels like this feels like the ideal pleasure relationship with food. And over here in America, um, there there is this. It's almost like there is this the, the pace the pace of existence over here exceeds itself. The pace of life exceeds life itself, mm. I find, in America. And until that pace gets slowed down, uh, life will not beget life. And it will just continue to break down. And a perfect example is how we, we live our lives in such a way that's like, oh, I don't have time to eat, or if I do eat, I'm going to do it quickly, standing up in between my meetings and in between my phone calls. And, oh, I just need a quick little pick-me-up. Okay, I'm going to grab a cookie. Or, oh, God, I just had the most stressful day. Now I'm going to sit down at the end of my day. It's the first time I've had to, like, rest. I've given myself time to rest all day. It's 8 o'clock at night. The sun is set. And now I'm going to have my big meal. And I'm going to have my four glasses of wine. And I'm going to have my dessert because I deserve it. Because mm. I worked hard all day. And it's been a stressful day. And I deserve my big meal at the end of the day. Mm. And then what happens? Then it throws off our circadian rhythm. Then our gut is confused by all this food combining. Then our pancreas is going nuts because we just put a bunch of sugar and wine and things like that into our system. And Mm -hmm. it's overacting and then our when the pancreas is overacting the mind is overacting and so then our thoughts start to race and we start to feel a little anxious and then we go to bed feeling a little anxious and thoughts racing and our stomach is full so we can't quite sleep deeply we don't get the full reset we wake up feeling a little hungover and then we drink our coffee to spike ourselves back up again and we don't hydrate properly and we don't come in slowly and we go straight back to the screen and we just live inside mm. of this yeah. system of depletion and detriment and scarcity and mm. fear inside of the race to keep up with the pace that is killing all of life over here in America. And so really, I think, I really, I think health in general is a conversation about pace, mm. really. Yeah. And so these moments when, we, when we're feeling stressed and we reach for the cookie and we reach for the, the ice cream and we reach for the salty chip and things like that, um, there, there's an opportunity in these moments. Um, and it's, it's, it's a harder choice. Mm -hmm. But there's an opportunity in these moments to, to very choicefully choose to pause. Mm -hmm. And what we want to do is feel less of the stress that's happening in our body. And so it feels maybe a little counterintuitive in that moment to actually go into our body and feel. But actually the move is to go in, to go in and feel. And while the stress might feel overwhelming and it may bring emotion and there may be a desire to run from the emotion or whatever comes, the move is always to come back in mm -hmm. and to fill yourself with your, with your attention, to fill yourself with your presence, to occupy yourself. 
back into fullness, mm -hmm. not to use the bag of potato chips to do it because it never will. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh my gosh, it made me emotional just hearing you talk about the pace of everything and just living um, and being like, I keep having these moments where the days will go so intensely and so quickly yeah. that by the time I'm going to bed, this brings in a whole nother topic too, but by the time I'm in bed, I'm like, what did I even do today? It went mm -hmm. so fast and so intensely. Like I actively go through everything I did just to like, feel like I lived the day through. Mm -hmm. And there's also this thing, a different topic of like, you get on your phone almost like not doom scrolling, but like revenge scrolling because mm -hmm. it's like the one time in your day where it's like completely yours. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're trying to catch up on everything you missed out on. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, you know, do this and feel this. And that's why we might stay up so late on our phones or anything because we're trying to catch up on that freedom mm -hmm. that we were trying to get throughout the day. Mm -hmm. How can we create more space and freedom in the day and how mm -hmm. important that is. And I love that you're touching on like that difference in our culture because mm -hmm. part of the slowness around eating too is like the three hours leading up to the meal being served in the kitchen mm -hmm. with your buddies or whatever's mm -hmm. going on in the home, mm -hmm. feeling and smelling all those beautiful scents coming mm -hmm. through the house. Mm -hmm. That in itself, like, puts you into just a state of like parasympathetic relaxation oh, and happiness. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my certainly. God. Yeah. The ripples from behaving yeah. in this way are extensive. I mean, mm -hmm. we're talking about, we're talking about actually being connected to life. You, you talk about this experience of like fear of missing out mm -hmm. this FOMO is a, yeah. a coin phrase in our, right. in our time. Um, what an interesting coin phrase. Like, I mean, let's just pause yeah. and think about that fear of missing out. Why? Mm -hmm. Why does that exist? Why is that an experience that is happening? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, pause and sit with that for yourself if you're experiencing FOMO. Why? There's this great story. I'm going to share this and I'll loop back. There's this great story that I love and it's about this fisherman in, we'll say Italy, this fisherman in Italy who's sitting on the end of the dock and this American businessman is over in Italy having a little vacation and he goes to the fisherman. He asks him to catch him a fish for dinner and the fisherman catches him a fish and the businessman says to him, I've got quite a little business going here. Like this is, this is a, uh, you know, you could, you could do well here. There's lots of people who want fish. How, you know, how long have you been doing this? He's like, oh, I've been doing this my whole life and it's what I love. And he's like, well, you know, you know, I, I, I walked past that market today and uh, I noticed that you weren't up there selling your fish, but there were other people up there selling their fish. So I was thinking, you know, if you catch a certain amount of fish, then you could make enough money to hire somebody else to fish with you. Then you can make enough fish to get up to that market. When you get up to that market, you'll be making enough money. You could hire more guys. You could even get a couple boats. Then you could get out into the water. You'd be catching a whole lot more fish. Then you could work a few markets. Then you don't even have to, you know, do what you're doing now. You could be, you know, managing these people and they could be doing the fishing for you. And then you could be making so much more money. And then, you know, once you're making that much money, you could, you, you could, you know, do whatever you want. You could have the life that you, you know, want to be living. You could retire. You could, you know, you could do what brings you the most pleasure in the world. And as most of oh, whoever's listening and you can imagine, like the irony is that this man turns to the businessman and says, I'm already there. Yeah. Like I already have it. He just wants to fish and hang out of the water. <laughs> and he's doing it. And so I, I think this, what I'm pointing to here is that there, there is a way in which people here and um, there's a way in which people here in America and, you know, I'm not going to speak to other countries. This is where I live. And certainly it's happening in other places in the world as well. Um, um, in, in the first world countries that is where we are, we are on a track. We're on this, 
very strange, very strange counterintuitive to me tract where we work and we hustle and we hustle to, to, to make money, to, to, to create enough wealth to be able to then rest. Mm -hmm. And so we are hustling, hustling our whole lives to get to the rest at the end of our life, to get to our retirement. And it, you see the macro and the micro, like we hustle through our days so that we can get to the rest at the end of the day where we can have our big meal and scroll Instagram. And then we hustle through the week to get to Friday. And then we hustle through our years to get to retirement. And then there's this, then, then birds the experience of FOMO, fear mm -hmm. of missing out. Why? Because you literally are running past your life. Yeah. And you have the opportunity to, sit back and down mm. and then we get to i mean in the process of doing that we get to come very close to this fear of you know what is the fear that's pushing us into this pace that's the real question like why are we moving so fast what are we scared of yeah what are we scared of so powerful yeah so potent well i mean i keep going through this with my own money story too it's like why am i so driven to create uh, financial well-being and prosperity it's like essentially so i feel freedom so it's like okay, well, how can I create more space for freedom in my daily life? And so what I'm really learning now is how to structure my weeks and my days around um, creating boundaries so that my freedom is a priority and my peace is a priority. And maybe that means theming my days, like um, Claire Wasserman was on here talking about that recently, like making sure that it's in your schedule, like just you time, play oh, yeah. time, creativity time, because it's too tempting in this like hustle mentality, mm -hmm. hustle competitive kind of consumerist world mm -hmm. to stack in as much as we can during mm -hmm. a day. And then we wonder mm -hmm. why we're like still on the hamster wheels. Cause we have to, the power of no, the power mm -hmm. of like sovereignty and saying these days are, these are for me. Yeah. Um, powerful. All right, popping in for a second to chat with you about my one-on-one -on -one mentorship series. So this is a private mentorship program with me for seven weeks. We meet once a week, one-on-one -on -one, for an hour. And this is really a program designed to help you embody your highest self and make that quantum leap to overcome any self-limiting beliefs, any stories that you no longer wish to hold on to, and really uncover those stories that might even be hidden in your subconscious. Really bringing those to the surface, alchemizing and releasing that, and giving you the tools to step forward into your beautiful quantum leap, your growth, and your new, most authentic self that's rooted in freedom, peace, prosperity, and happiness, and really helping you to know that that life is possible for you, and we're going to bring it to life. So I'm using tools like EFT, emotional freedom technique, guided visualization meditation, subconscious healing, journaling, and transformational workbook prompts, and so much more. So if you're interested and want to know more, you can book a free clarity call with me. Link is in the description below, and it's also on my website, helendenham.com mentorship. Okay, my friends, back to the episode. Thanks so much for listening. So the other thing I want to touch on you, I always say this, I always say that, and I have to stop saying it because I always fuck it up. The other thing I want to touch, touch on with touch you, on you about, uh -huh. I really would love to touch you. <laughs> Can we put some touching into this? Yeah. The other thing I want to chat with you about is Qigong, because I know you have a beautiful history in Qigong, but I actually don't know much about like what drew you to Qigong and like what even the principles of it are. So um, can you tell um, us about it? Yeah, let's see. 
where to start, how it found me or what it is. Sure. Maybe what it is. Okay, yeah, maybe yeah. what it is first. Qigong, we'll break the word down. Qi meaning energy, gong meaning discipline or practice. So essentially qigong is the practice of energy or the movement of energy, the discipline of, with energy. Um, it's over 5,000 years old. As far as we can tell by any research documentation at this point, it's one of the oldest forms of personal meditation and healing that we uh, have been able to track. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, it is the origination of most Asian art forms, disciplines, even those through, um, even those, I would say, through India, like we're talking about yogic forms, and we're talking m much older than that. Um, and Qigong, in its essence, is, is for healing. It's for internal healing. And it is, it is in its basis, I would say, at the foundation of almost every martial art as well. Always originates with the purpose of Qigong, which is being able to become an internal alchemist, being able to essentially control your internal state with your mind and your breath and your intention. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in the practice of Qigong, it wouldn't even look like someone's moving necessarily. Not all the time. There are standing forms and there are over a hundred different lineages that cast back many years. So the, uh, when you dip your toe into the vast pool of Qigong lineage, um, you could be practicing your entire life and still not um, come close to practicing mm -hmm. the extent, the extent of what is out there. To what does um, like a practice look like for you when you're practicing Qigong? Like, what are you doing? Sure. Yeah, totally. What does it look like? Mm -hmm. Most people are familiar with Tai Chi. They've seen That's it, exactly they've what seen I was it thinking. in the park. They've seen people in the park, like moving slowly and yeah. taking deep breaths and kind of standing in the same position, but mostly moving in these syncopated ways and I sort of reference it to Tai Chi. Tai Chi came much later, and Tai Chi was actually formed uh, as a martial practice in a slow dance-like um, uh, form so that it would sort of mask itself as a martial practice so that it, it, could, it could continue to be practiced under the um, peering guise of the government. And so <clears throat> the idea behind Tai Chi is that as you're moving through these slow movements, you're gathering enough energetic so that when you do strike, there is a lot, there is, there is a gathered momentous chi behind your movements. Mm -hmm. But the dance is a dance through martial practices. Qigong, being much older and being for the intention of internal healing, can look similar to Tai Chi. It can be a standing form where there is movement and certainly. And there is a, a term called Nei Gong or internal gong or um, Wuji style, which is like formless form without form. And um, so there are many faces of Qigong, I will say. And so it can look like meditating mm -hmm. and it can look like Tai Chi and it can look like strength training. It can kind of look like a few different things. When I practice, my practice is a little different each day, depending on what my body and the seasons and what I'm feeling is needed in that moment. But oftentimes what it will look like is I will be um, doing about 80% internally, and you'll see about 20% of it on the outside. So like you'll be in meditation, but you'll kind of be moving intuitively with... 
Sometimes it's it's intuitively and most times I'm following a form. Mm -hmm. So these lineages come with standing forms and there are certain practices that you practice in a certain way. You move your body in these certain positions. You flow through these certain postures with particular breath practices, with particular visualizations that have to do with particular meridians and organs or seasons and things like that. Now, when one becomes attuned to the sensation of of energy, both in their body and outside of their body, there is a way in which the form can soften and sort of um, become become something unique in every single practice. And so maybe you're practicing the same form for 50 years, but every time you practice it, it'll be a little different. It'll reveal something different to you, and you will reveal something different inside of it. Mm-hmm. And this this is the dance with energy and listening. Really, it's a practice of listening, I would say, and intending. It's, it's becoming a follow and a leader inside of your own being. Oh my God! What was it? Was it David White we were listening to the other morning? David White. Oh my, mm-hmm. David White. David White. Oh my God! Yes. So, well, Hannah and I were listening to this amazing poet Phenomenal. who you introduced me to. Poet I'm so Foster, grateful. Yeah. Like we're both crying, yeah. crying tears, <laughs> an incredible yeah. artist and man. Yeah. And it reminded me of Truly. when you were saying that, it's just like how the questioning itself like holds this sacred energy and this absence like holds God and spirit in it as well. So it's like this beautiful dance with the unknown, mm-hmm. breathing into that like he was describing the trees and the and the water flowing down through this town and like the stillness in the heat but right above the tree line was this beautiful kind of soft movement going along Mm -hmm. but there was this just kind of cycle and this dance of stillness meets action and Mm -hmm. how there are answers and beauty and source in both and the questioning and the yearning itself is part of that process interesting because this sort of loops us back to where we left off about about being the leaders of the, of our pacing, being sovereign, having sovereignty in our personal pacing of life. Mm-hmm. In Qigong, there are moments to find movement inside of the stillness and stillness inside of your movement. Mm-hmm. And David White did touch upon this when he was talking about the moving stream and then the moving air rippling the leaves above and yet these this like 600 foot space between that seemed to be stock still mm-hmm. and the, 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 the way that our eyes are drawn to movement inside of stillness. Mm-hmm. So his eyes being drawn to the river and to the tops of the trees amidst this intense stillness of the day. And um, there are ways in which one can be so present inside of themselves, especially in practices like Qigong. When you come into this stillness, you find the the murmurings of infinite amounts of movement inside of your internal systems. You feel the chi moving through your veins and your blood. You, you, you feel the very vibration of life and existence inside of you. Yeah. And what's so beautiful is like we have to create that stillness to experience the movement. We get to create that stillness to feel the movement. Yeah. A thousand percent. Mm-hmm. We need the stillness for that movement to even mm-hmm. be accessed. Right. And there's something that happens. There, there is something that happens when a human being comes in contact with that, with that movement, that type of movement, the movement that lives inside of stillness, mm-hmm. when one comes in contact with that, which we could call internal energy or internal life force or God, mm-hmm. whatever we want to call that, <clears throat> something changes inside of a being, inside of the psyche, inside of the body, inside of our way of moving throughout the days. Mm -hmm. And I think 
touching, touching this, touching our life force so tangibly through a practice like Qigong, through the practice of slowing down and enjoying our food and being very present through the practice of presence really with ourselves and our life around us really um, hmm. I know what you mean yeah. I think we all have had something like that you know and that's why the act of meditation is not one that's passive it's very an active practice to sit in stillness and become that inner explorer because mm -hmm. everything within us is going through its own movement and that's why it's a discipline mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. you know an athlete moving it's like internal athleticism mm -hmm. in, in many ways it's like yes. to be able to learn how to focus and to even be with yourself yes is an act of surrender and courage and yes. bravery and that's Huge. why it's like it's so important. It's like, you know, to be with ourselves and get to know ourselves and thus know what it means to be human, really, in essence, as we listen to that voice and then raise above the voice to the place of objective observer in a way that connects us to all source. Yeah. And it's just important that we enter that and, and back to the, you know, where we started before with, with freedom and creating intentional space, getting off of that hamster wheel. It's a, we have to get to, I like that you reframe that, get to exactly. It's like to know ourselves more intentionally because how are we to do that in, until we slow down? And what greater gift is there and potentially why else are we here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, yeah. Oh my God, we could go into so many themes so there, but much. it's like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I've been paying attention a lot to themes of karma and lessons that we're coming to learn and who's surrounding us and what people we call in and what purpose do we serve one another to mm -hmm. expand our growth and everything. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like when, we, when we're running so hard and we're not fully embodied and mm -hmm. truly present for our lives as like active players in our lives, mm -hmm. it's almost like we aren't really learning the necessary lessons on an emotional and spiritual level that we're probably going to have to come back and repeat until we're present, until we're like, all right, this is what I'm here to learn. And we can, I mean, I guess ascend would be the best word. It's not like there's some hierarchy here, but like to fully grow through this, this mm -hmm. life cycle. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to be present for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That reminds me of another thing that David White said in that, in that incredible teaching that we both listened to, which is that he was reflecting on the possibility, I don't know if you remember this part, but he was reflecting on the potential that the experience of nostalgia, that nostalgia is actually an experience of reflecting back on a time when you weren't fully present. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't a fullness of yourself in that moment to feel complete so that moving forward in your life when reflecting back if there's a complete feeling about it the nostalgia isn't there mm. but the nostalgia is sort of connected to this idea that your whole self wasn't fully there and so there's like a, a FOMO like I'm, I'm missing out somehow mm -hmm. and so <clears throat> that makes me that makes me want to share the other side of the coin that we just spoke about finding, finding movement inside of stillness, which is to find stillness inside of movement. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're just reflecting on how we get busy in our lives and we're moving and we're doing, and we're not being very present and we sort of miss out on our lives and we end up having to do again and again. And what we think is efficient and moving quickly actually is the most inefficient way of being mm -hmm. because we end up having to loop back and loop back loop back and loop back mm -hmm. and oftentimes it ends up in the health world as far as I'm concerned especially with bodies 
when we blow past the body over and over again, you see it, disease pops up, people have an injury, one way or another, the body will find a way to slow you 100%. down. So if you don't slow down first, your body will do it for you. Mm -hmm. And so that's a whole, that's, that's a big part of this conversation. But one thing I want to point to, which is such a, another beautiful opportunity is um, when we do, when we do slow down, we do become these sovereign entities in our pacing in our life. And we do make the time to create space on our calendar, just like we do for meetings in our work, to create time on the calendar for rest, mm -hmm. the necessity of rest. Mm -hmm. When we do that and we take the time to meditate or, or, or take a bath or wash our face a little extra longer, go for a walk or just lay on the ground, whatever it is, however we take rest in these ways. When we do this, we give ourselves the opportunity to slow down and be more present with ourselves. And we build in this repetitive uh, way of, we build in the pace essentially. And so we start to, we start to anchor in a new way of being. And when we, when, we, when we begin to do that and we slow things down, then the movement inside, the, the life force inside, the energy inside, the godliness inside us becomes more and more tangible, mm. more experienced. And when we begin to experience this internal stillness, this presence of God and life force and energy that exists inside us, our internal light shine essentially, when that becomes with us more often, then we are like a moth to a flame. We're drawn to our own flame. Mm. And this is very important to continue to bring our consciousness back into ourselves, back into ourselves, not in an isolating way from all of the connections that we are with all of life, but more so to bring ourselves inside in, in, in a full body occupation sort of way, where we get to occupy ourselves fully, which in essence is full presence. Mm -hmm. And when we get to do that, then then we get to move out into our busy lives. Then we get to move into the doing. But when we do that, we're coming forward with stillness. Mm -hmm. We go into the busyness with a stillness. We go into the movement with an internal stillness. Yeah. And when, when, we, when we master that piece, not even master, when we practice that piece, when we practice that piece, we'll see instant, instant transformation in our life, instant results. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody knows this here. You're rushing through the kitchen to make your coffee and get your breakfast going and and you're sort of outside of your body and you're like a couple steps ahead of yourself always. You're a little bit in front of yourself always. And you break the coffee cup and you spill the coffee and it's frustrating you and it's pulling you even further out and things are just falling apart left and right. When you wake up, and that's like you wake up, you jump out of bed and you get to the going. Let's say same morning, you wake up, you pause. Mm -hmm. You sit on your cushion and you take 20 minutes to just be inside your body. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the kitchen, same amount of time that you need to get to your first meeting, but now you're, you are choosing to be the sovereign leader of your pacing. Mm. And therefore you are choosing very consciously to move at a steady pace throughout the kitchen. You're consciously not rushing and you're being with the stillness that you created first thing in, at the beginning of the day. You set the pace, you set the pace. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. everything is more efficient. Somehow the coffee gets made faster. Somehow the breakfast is made and it's even better tasting and more well-made than even before. Yes. And somehow inside of all of this, somehow inside of this uh, reclaiming, this reclaiming of your sovereign pacing, this reclaiming of your, of your life, mm -hmm. you get more freedom and more joy and more expansion and more pleasure than you ever could and ever will from mm -hmm. rushing. Oh my God, Hannah. <gasps> yes.
I think you just made like the essential connection, the essential parallel, the melding of the two worlds, because it, it isn't separate. Like we are living life. It's very active. So bringing that stillness into the movement is so beautiful. Truly. It reminds me of like when I was first learning meditation, the advice that I got, I was living in New York city and completely overstimulated. Like yeah. my nervous system was shot. And yeah. Um, a mentor said to me, you know, go meditate in Times Square, the place that triggers you the very most, like mm. where you avoid at all costs, like mm. all that noise, go sit, just sit and Ooh, work with it. Cold chills. Right. Cause I was really being, you know, disturbed by the traffic and the noise. And yeah. I was like literally losing my mind. He's yeah. like, that's, you're getting a signal. This is yeah. a, a learning experience for you. Yeah. So, and then when I could enjoy sitting in the chaos, it became the joy of living. Like just joy of living, what a joy it is to be alive from that place because it's a choice at some point. Like you have a choice as to how you show up mm. and with practice. And Wait, I just love that. Talk mm -hmm. about that a little more. If you wouldn't mind, can we unpack that just a little more? Mm -hmm. Like how you got from point A to point B, point A being you're in Times Square, your nervous system is getting overstimulated. It's mm -hmm. bringing on anxiety and fear. You're this person in your life guides you to go sit, mm -hmm. you sit and somehow you end up getting to point B, which is mm -hmm. joy of life. Mm -hmm. Like, can we just talk, what are a couple steps in between, like what happened for you inside of that time and well, space? I mean, I think the most important thing that we, one of the most important things we do in meditation is we pay attention to our breathing and use our breath as an anchor. And often we find, of course, when we're stressed, we're breathing like, <sighs> Mm -hmm. So the first mm -hmm. thing I always have people do in my classes is like, let's just naturally pay attention to how you're breathing. Mm -hmm. How did you just come into the room? Mm -hmm. Like, are you, can we just consciously start to slow the breath down mm -hmm. and then using that as the anchor? And that's also how mantra can be powerful is mm -hmm. like having that anchor. So mm -hmm. figuring out how to ground yourself and, and grounding yeah. is, you know, can be done through the breath work, but it really was a matter of just like, releasing a lot of control as well because mm -hmm. entering a environment that's like overstimulating is like you just want to control the madness in mm -hmm. a way it's like you you lose all control when there's chaos mm -hmm. it's like that's an act of surrender so yeah. learning how to let go and drop into that surrender i think changed a lot for me so what i can control is my breathing mm -hmm. that's it i can control my breathing i can yeah. control how i feel can i start to get more curious like yeah. why don't we pick out who's that beautiful couple over there in the corner meeting for the first time or yeah. like who's this person you know that's about to go into a broadway show like instead of looking at you know it was a, a choice in perspective at the end of the day um, that can be made and you Absolutely. really just have to learn how to slow down the breath. And I found that that was like just a really powerful anchor to move forward through that. So absolutely. Yeah. And there's nothing like the breath to bring one embodied like that. Mm -hmm. If we're floating away, like certainly one of the easiest ways to get our consciousness back into our bodies to really re reoccupy ourselves mm -hmm. is to just take a little deeper breath. Just pay attention to that next inhale. Just pay attention to that next exhale. Yeah. Profound. Absolutely. It's amazing how simple it is. We don't need to buy anything for that. We don't have to spend any money. We don't need to yeah. be at a certain echelon in societal uh, hierarchy. You know, we, we all have, yeah. uh, we all have access to yeah. our breath. It's just remembering like that yeah. that is accessible. That's, you know, yeah. I, I feel that way every Tuesday I was telling you like Tuesdays are my editing nights to get the podcast right. out on Wednesday yeah. morning. Yeah. And I like build up during the week and I, and I just had this, you know, if I can remind myself to breathe through that in the moment and start to have some fun and be like, you just mm. interviewed this amazing person. Like mm. let's have some fun listening mm. back to this. And like, yeah. you're going to get some new little nuggets from this. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you just had a private mentorship with somebody basically. Yeah. So 
that's a choice. The other choice is, oh my God, I'm so stressed at the almost the end of the day. It's like two completely different feelings, totally. both true. Totally. Which truth are you going to choose? And it's like, it, it just feels better. And then it becomes the joy of living for me. So I try to think about that. But yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, Hannah, I just love you so much. You We're in so kind much. of a professional setting. Okay. So I know you have some amazing offerings coming up, but if people want to work with you, like at this moment, how can they enter a mentorship with you? Like work with you? Tell us. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I, I am offering two opportunities to do one-on-one -on -one coaching with me a year and they're a three month program. And it's, 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 a, it's an appropriate um, I would say spacious amount of time for us to move through the paces that it takes to create new habits and to build a, a stronger platform of wellness inside of the body so that we can rise, rise into our aliveness from a really rooted place. Um, and we, and we go straight to root causes and we're going to look at your health platform and the architecture of the nourishment that's already in place in your world and how we can build something that's a little more structurally sound for you to grow in the direction that you're looking to grow. And we do that through multiple facets and mostly we look at food and we look at movement and we look at the, the shapes that your life is taking both physically and energetically. And <clears throat> we, we become exquisite observers and trackers and um, beings of self-love through the <laughs> process. And it's a really beautiful process. It's, it's, a, it's a strong transformation. And, and um, yeah, so that's, that's an opportunity. It's a three-month program. And I do one in the spring and one in the fall. Amazing. And um, in the summer and in the winter, um, there are little offerings that are going to be popping up just to support with how we navigate the heat of the summers. And oftentimes, people go into the summer already with a somewhat drained cup. And so, you know, in the summer we like to play, we like to party, we like to travel. And um, so basically the summer offering is just a, a workbook that people can take themselves through and helps them find their way through the summer somewhat gracefully. So they're not totally draining themselves. They're staying hydrated literally and also metaphorically through the extent of the, of the fire month, of the fire season. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it's just like a helpful way to play and stay well through throughout that throughout that season. And then in the winter simultaneously, this is a time for us to like really recuperate our energy. This is a time when all of the natural world goes into a deep rest and a deep reset. And it's also the same time that we have these interesting holidays that pop up and right. that take over most of our lives and actually become a really outward, expansive um environment that require a lot of our chi, a lot of our time and our energy and can be really stressful and draining to a lot of people. And so in the wintertime, there will be an offering to just some guidelines to help support you navigate, you know, navigating the holidays and simultaneously staying in that, staying in that place of rest and um, restoration throughout all of that. So you, so you don't miss out. Mm you know, we're always worried about missing out. So you don't miss out with the family time. You don't miss out with the holidays and you don't miss out with the good food, but there's ways to do it so that you don't gain that extra 20 pounds over the holidays that you just spent the whole year trying to lose. And you don't get so disconnected from um, the real reason why family time comes together through all the stress of the holidays. And there are ways to still get that um, 
get that cup filled. And so we'll be doing those things. So, so those are some ways to work with me. And I'm also doing one-on-one Qigong always, um, working with people, doing private trainings and um, things like that. And Amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have literally shifted and changed my life within a matter of two weeks. So I'm sure people in a three-month container will have something spectacular happen. And it's, you just have such a unique holistic lens that you just changed something in my brain to understand that like what's going on with my body and my physical health is affecting every part of my life that I just had. It's like when the student is ready, the teacher appears kind of moment, but you have to have the right teacher for you. And I feel like you are such a perfect coach in so many ways for this, like even getting my hydration levels mm-hmm. fixed. And I'm obsessed with coffee. We're working through that. Like yeah. there are just so many things that like when I first met you, I was just like, I don't really know. I'm like, I don't really know what's going to light my fire here and get me excited about this. But learning from you mm-hmm. on what really is happening in the system, the body, the energetic realms, mm-hmm. like you have a beautiful gift. So I'm really excited for people to, you know, explore your offerings more. I'm just like, so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank Helen. you so much so for being here for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. such a pleasure. All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us today. I hope you're feeling inspired and lifted and called to action in some area of your life. A couple things on my end. I've got a workshop for you coming up on June 18th with The Den. It's called Falling in Love with Yourself. It's an hour and a half intensive. We're doing transformational journaling, EFT, visualization, all the powerful things. And I've also got a completely free workbook out there for you. It's five tools to start your subconscious healing journey. So get out your journal, have some tea, have some coffee, sit with yourself for a little while and uh, make your way through those beautiful workbook prompts. Let me know what you learn, what you think. And I'm so grateful for you. I'm wishing you just the best day. Just remember that you are so deeply loved that no matter what you're experiencing, you are not alone. You are always supported. And if you ever just need someone to check in with, reach out, please do. And I love you so much. Talk to you soon.